Made Visible helps people with invisible illnesses feel seen and heard. It provides a platform for people who seem fine but aren't to share their experiences. It also helps to create a new awareness of how we can be sensitive and supportive to those with invisible illnesses. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist. Today's guest, Shannon Shores, is someone who is tackling a topic that is very taboo, STD testing, and aims to help people feel confident in their sexual choices while facilitating a judgment-free discussion. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you, Harper. So happy to have you here and talking about this super taboo topic. Let's start with telling us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Well, as you said, I'm Shannon Shores. I live in Illinois, but our business is out of St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm the CEO of Wellux Inc. Our flagship product is samedaystdtesting.com, where we provide discreet, confidential, judgment-free zone testing throughout the U.S. Perfect. Great little synopsis, and we'll dive into that further. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to this. Thanks to a visit to the gynecologist, you found out that you had a strain of HPV that can lead to cervical cancer. Can you walk us through this diagnosis and what came next? Sure. So it's one of those things that when you find out that you have HPV, I was in a new relationship but I had come out of a really kind of nasty divorce where there was some infidelity on his part, not mine, just for the record. And it was embarrassing. It was hard because I had to kind of put some emotions into this. You know, I thought that I'd kind of gotten past the infidelity, but it was looking like that is where this came from. So as a woman, I mean, I've had, you know, an annual check gosh, ever since I was a teenager, right? And you go, you do your thing. And usually you hear nothing back because everything's good. But this day when she called me and the nurse left a message to give her a call back, I knew something was wrong, right? I didn't think that she just wanted to chit chat. And I called her back and she said, something came back on your pap. And I thought, well, I've heard a few women say this before. I mean, I've had children, those sort of things. And she started to go into this, you know, it's HPV. And there's hundreds of strains. And I thought she would say, and there's hundreds of strains and you just have one of them. It'll go away and you'll be fine. But she didn't. Uh, There's a couple strains of HPV that can lead to cervical cancer, warts, things like that. And I just happened to get the one that led to cervical cancer. And so what happened next? What did you do? So after you kind of get to the shock and like most people, right, where do we go? The World Wide Web, right? The scariest place to go <laughs> to figure out what the hell is going on with me, right? So I learned everything from herbal ways to cure it, from putting frankincense on a tampon and sorting it to all the things to consider with this potential cancer diagnosis. So after that, she said, you need to come in and we're going to do this, it's kind of like a pap, but I really consider it like a pap on steroids. And when I read this online, they said, well, it's not all that uncomfortable. I don't know, Harper, if I'm just a wimp, but I thought it was pretty bad. 
I mean, they use a video camera to see, you know, what they're doing and where they're going. But basically, they're scraping off um, area of the cervix, like a biopsy. Okay, they're taking parts of that to test to see at what level the HPV would come back. You know, what are we working with? And this is a colposcopy, correct? Correct, yes. And it was so funny when she, the doctor comes in afterwards and she's talking to me and my new partner and says, well, if this comes back, you know, with high levels of cancer, we're going to do the LEAP procedure. And if you can imagine this, she holds up her fist and she says, imagine if this is the cervix. And she goes, imagine like a cheese slicer. And then she does this motion of the cheese slicer in the one hand towards the fist on the other. And I thought my new partner was about to pass <laughs> and oh thinking God. about this cheese slicing cervix thing that his new partner could be going through. I digress, but I think it's funny when we think about medical stuff of and course. how doctors just kind of just say it how it is and they have zero filter. But anyway, she tried to put my mind at ease with that illustration. So I did come back at high levels from my cervix and the biopsy, and we had to go in and do the LEAP procedure where they go in and remove parts of the cervix, which I've identified, you know, have the cancerous areas. And so they go in, and but there's no certainty, right? They go in, it's a in and out procedure, you know, they put you under, you know, you get to go home. Uh, minimal bleeding, you know, it wasn't horrible, wasn't horrible cramping, things like that, just a little ibuprofen. So that was a whole lot better than the pap smear from hell. But um, so then you come back, right? And they, when they remove part of that cervix, they also look at the parameter around it, right? Is there area around it that doesn't have cancer? And what does that look like? And so, so if it's completely clear, then they got it all. If it's a low number, then they have to talk to you about maybe they didn't get it all and do it again. So in my case, <laughs> they came back and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just, I'm an overachiever in life. So I don't know if my cervix was like an overachiever as well because <laughs> they came back and they're like, so about that, um, we got the majority of it, but you're showing low levels kind of around the perimeter around the area that we took. And then this is what's the confusing part about it is that there was low levels, but it's all about what they know. They still don't know a whole lot about HPV. It's one of those weird viruses that can cure itself. Your body can rid itself of the virus. When it gets to be at my level, you have to treat it because it is cancer. But due to the low levels around it, they didn't go back in. They said, we want you to go home. You know, we want you to continue to live your life. And then in six months, we'll go back in and we'll do another PAP. And if it's clear, then your body has rid itself of that remaining cancer cells, you know, since it's such a low level. And that was really bothersome to think, okay, I'm going to trust this. I'm going to go home and see what happens. And I had a really great doctor outside of the cheese illustration. And, you know, in six months, I went to go see her and she did a pap smear and did it and everything came back good. And so she tests me every year for it just to make sure it doesn't come back. I'm not being exposed to it because I am now married in a monogamous relationship. Couldn't always say that with marriage, but this time I am. And so I'm not at risk to contract HPV in that. And so now I'm HPV free, but that was a very 
scary time. And we get calls all the time from women who are scared because they get that same diagnosis and they don't know what to do. Yeah, of course. Of course, it's scary. Did you share your diagnosis, what you were going through with people in your life, your friends, your family? Um, A few of them, you know, sometimes people were really supportive. And a couple of times I heard you got cancer from an STD. If that doesn't throw judgment all over you, right? Um, I'm like, yeah. yeah, actually, I did. So I did share it. I didn't share it with many because, because of the stigma. You know, I, I after I got that response of cancer from an STD, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to keep this under my hat, <laughs> and I'm going to work with my doctor and get support from you know my new partner and I had a few friends. But I really kind of kept it to myself out of just that shame and embarrassment. And how old were you at this time? Uh, Thirty five. No, I was, see, I was about 32. I got myself a little bit carried away. Um, Once you're in your 40s, you start to lose time, I swear. And what were you doing professionally at that point? Well, professionally at this point, I had just started working on this business, actually. And it really kind of solidified and, and verified for me kind of what my company motto is. It's your sex life, your business. Because I really want people to have a judgment-free zone when they call us to talk about their sexual history. Because I had to say to people when they talked about this SD, I was married to a man that I loved. I've known him since I was 13 years old, you know? So there was a lot of shame around that STD. And we get those calls from women and men who have infidelity issues at home and there it's not only HPV but it's other viruses and infections that come in and they have to get through not only that diagnosis but also the feelings and the shame that go around it which is tough. So you started this business before even going through this. Correct. I'm a social worker anyway. Um I have a master's in social work cuz I really wanted to help people. <laughs> My first job out of college is I worked at a uh, suicide crisis hotline. You know, so I've always had this thing about working with people where they are and working with people in crisis and looking for solutions and help. And so this came as an opportunity to do just that in an area that people don't like to talk about, sex. But what made you interested in talking about it? I wanted to empower women because before that had happened, the HPV diagnosis, I found out about the infidelity of my husband. And I had to go and get a full STD screening. And it was, you know, humiliating to me to look my OBGYN, my gynecologist, in the eye who delivered my two kids and say, I want to make sure I don't have an STD, right? Because we like to fake the funk, I think, a lot. I mean, that's what social media is all about, right? Putting our best Mm -hmm. self out there that doesn't exist. And uh, I think it was coming to realization that I had to get tested and burst this bubble of perfection that looked like perfection, but it was embarrassing. So it was putting together a product that allowed people an avenue to get tested in privacy. When people call us, you know, they're not making eye contact with us. You know, they're having an honest conversation with someone over the phone. Yes, they're going into the lab to get their blood drawn to give a urine sample. But that lab tech, they don't know their story. They don't know what's going on. So they have that discretion because it is humiliating. And you don't need one more person to shame you or judge you. 
I absolutely agree. So you were building WellX, and at the same time, you decided to launch testing.com while going through this yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And Wild. Which, and the funny thing is, when we first started, you know, it was two of us, right? It was me and one other person answering the phone. And I think, again, like I said, I'm a social worker, so I'm just a social person. You know, I always kind of see the best things in people. But I think it really came through in not only, you know, our quote unquote process of putting people through like the sales process, lack of a better term, but really how that works for them. But it also has come through and I've built upon that in all of our marketing. When people call us, it really is. I mean, we started this year dry saying it's your sex life, your business. We don't care what has happened, what has brought you here. We're glad that you're here. And sometimes people can't use us because we are a private out-of-pocket service. Some people can't afford us, but we're going to make sure that we get them the right resource. You know, they do need to see a doctor. They need to go to Planned Parenthood. They need to go to the health department. They need to go somewhere. It may not have that discretion or privacy, but to help them understand that their health and their sexual health is important. From what you've seen, what are the most common barriers to receive the testing? A small portion of people who call, it's money, right? But when people really think about what they're getting, the privacy, the discretion, you know, even if you use your insurance, you know, that's part of your permanent health record. If people really value privacy, they will find the money to do that. The other big thing was just they don't know. I mean, we've done a lot of marketing this year. And we've done some videos that say, you know, here's an option. Don't not test because of embarrassment. You know, oh, it's because I don't have any symptoms. I didn't get tested. Well, we know, you know, a lot of these STDs and STIs can be asymptomatic. You don't know. That doesn't mean you can't spread it. That they have to take charge of their sexual life. And also, too, like the biggest thing about HPV as well is that people are not being tested. You know, I was tested in my early 30s because I was too old for the vaccine, okay? When, when I was a teenager, the vaccine wasn't available, and you could age out of that. And I'm not saying pro or con vaccines. I'm just saying that's how it is. And so they just started testing you in early 30s. Well, a lot of women who I talk to, if, especially there's infidelity, I'll say, have you had an HPV screening? A lot of times they don't know. Or they'll call me back and say, no, I've never had one. I looked at my record. You need to make sure that you're asking for it because the insurance requirements, I think, is like every other year after a certain age. But really think about this. If you were in a situation where there was cervical cancer, would you want to wait every other year? Say you just got past your yearly visit, you know, something happens and you can track this. And now you've waited because that's what the insurance says. No, um, absolutely not. Women have to advocate and know it. But if no one takes the time to explain it to them, they're not going to know to ask. And so that's what I really try to do is educate people on their health choices and to take charge of their sexual health. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist. No matter where you are in the world, BetterHelp lets you schedule video and phone sessions with your therapist or even text them. Not only is it convenient, but it's also affordable. 
BetterHelp's therapists specialize in many different issues from depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, self-esteem, and more. I've talked with many guests about the importance of therapy, and it's something I believe everyone can benefit from. It's so valuable to be able to talk to someone with an informed outsider's perspective. With BetterHelp, you can have these conversations at your own pace through a secure online platform and with a counselor you love and who gets you. It's not self-help, it's BetterHelp. Made Visible listeners can get 10% off their first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com backslash made visible. That's betterhelp.com slash made visible. And now back to the show. And how are people discovering you? So we're an online service. Like I said, we're in St. Louis. So, I mean, you could come in here and I mean, we could chit chat, but I can't do anything for you here in my office, but they find it. So they go to their device, um, cell phone, laptop, whatever. And you know, they'll Google, they'll look up, maybe they're looking at symptoms, maybe they're putting the symptoms in, maybe they are looking at HIV testing, whatever it may be. You know, we work with a marketing company, so we pop up as one of the best choices, because that's what Google always is looking for. What's the best answer for what you're typing in? You know, I almost like to read your brain as you type, they go, do you mean this? Do you mean this? No, I don't. And you can only imagine what my Google search history looks like. <laughs> and when I get redirected, you know how to redirect your ads? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Like my kids, like, nope, don't get on mommy's computer. It's sacred. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> but anyway, so they'll go to our website. We have blog information because we've heard a little bit of everything There's no question that's a stupid question, right? And that's a part of that stigma and shame. Like, ask us. So we have some blog information. People kind of want to dip their toe in to see what is this all about. But really, the call to action is to give us a call. One of my kind of my brand promises is that I'm not going to give you an e-cart solution. I mean, I can't even buy shoes that way unless I've tried them on before. So why would I pick my sexual health that way? So I want them to call in. They get one of our sexual health advocates who will ask them some questions about kind of what is the concern? What are the symptoms? How many partners have you had? When was the last partner? How were you tested before? Because we want to get to what do they really need and educate them about what testing means and what it doesn't because there's time frames with these certain tests. And after that conversation, that person will be sent to their local Quest Diagnostics. We like Quest because when you're in Quest, the person next to you doesn't know why you're there. You could be there for blood sugar check, whatever. You know, they really has that kind of discretion that's there. If they did a full screening, be blood and urine, they'll leave the lab. And then within one to three business days, we will reach out to them with their results. We do have a patient portal because we do realize it's 2020. So we do have a patient portal where they can log in and see their results. But we're able to walk them through the results. If there is a simple infection like chlamydia or gonorrhea, you know, our doctor can call in a prescription for treatment. If it's something bigger, um, let's say, you know, HIV. HIV in the 80s was like a destins. You know, people were like, you're going to get HIV, you're going to get AIDS and die. Now, in 2020, HIV is one of those things that people stay in the HIV status like forever, you know, because of all the antivirals and things like that. It's come a long way. And so, you know, our doctor course, because it's more over the phone, you can't treat that patient because they're going to need an ongoing doctor. 
but our doctor will reach out to them and really educate them about what HIV is, you know, for example, what HIV is now, what they need to do, what they need to ask for, and, you know, who are those people. This is such a valuable resource that I feel like is totally lacking and really is so important for everyone to be knowledgeable about. But I think to your point, there's so much stigma around it. So for someone who's scared to get tested or really acknowledge this, what would you say to them? Well, I have a great example. So when the office is in St. Louis, I live in the Illinois side, okay, a little bedroom community. And last year, the local high school in my town sent out a letter to parents and said, we've been informed by the county health department. There's been an increase of chlamydia amongst our students because numbers have to be reported of, you know, females, males, this age, those sort of things. That's how you get the CDC, the statistics and all that good stuff, right? But they sent out this letter and I don't have high schoolers yet, but I had a friend share the letter with me. And the letter was more like, what is chlamydia? You know, signs and symptoms. But there really was no call to action about getting your kid tested, which I thought was interesting. Because how I see it is that we, as parents, one of the things is the stigma is, it's not my kid. It's not my kid who has an STI. It's not my kid who has an STD. So if you have that letter, you may have gone to Susie or Johnny, right? And you said, hey, you know, we got this letter from the school. Are you having sex? Right? And so what's the kid going to say? No. (laughs) But we know, I use this as a great example of, say, chlamydia. Chlamydia can be asymptomatic. And, you know, say Susie has chlamydia now. And what happens if it goes untreated all these years? When Susie decides to get married, say in her 30s, and have, you know, try to have a child, she can be infertile because these STIs left untreated can cause long term issues when it can really have been fixed by an antibiotic. And how did this happen? Because we were too afraid to ask the questions and be real with our children. So that's one of the things when, when people talk about, you know, what if they're scared? And, and if teenagers, we know a lot of them could be having sex. And those conversations are a lot about using protection. But what if they choose not to use protection? Let's be real. What are we teaching our children about the options if we choose to do unprotected sex? We have to talk about, you know, getting tested regularly. And that's what I'd say to adults too. Those who are scared, it's the knowing. When we test people, oh, Harper, let me tell you, people's anxiety go through the roof, right? Waiting. That one to three days feels like one to three years for those test results to come back. We get that. You know, that's why we really try hard and follow up the lab constantly to get that information to them. But once they know it's such a relief, it's a peace of mind. And I would say to people, look at the non-financial costs. What is this costing you not to get tested? Are you worried? Are you losing sleep? Are you short with other people because you're just, you know, everything that you do, you're thinking about this because it was an exposure, whatever it is, all the benefits of getting tested and knowing is worth the call or worth the visit to your doctor, wherever you feel comfortable to take charge back with your sexual life. Couldn't agree more. Thank you for saying that. So you mentioned high schoolers and you mentioned that you have kids of your own. What's the conversation that you've had with your own children about <laughs> what it is that you do and, you know, the relevance in their lives? Yeah. So I have 
a third grader and I have an eighth grader. The eighth grader, I had to take him to freshman orientation tonight, which about blows my mind. But (laughs) side note, it's funny because my third grader started seeing words and like would be like, what? And so when you come in my office, like I have, I was on the XM radio show this few months ago with Emily Morris, Dr. Morris, Sex with Emily. So he'll walk in and be like, mom, you have sex on your wall. He just can't get over it. And then my oldest son in health class last year, they talked about sex, right? And so we always call it page 26 because on page 26 of his health book. And so what mom does is mom helps people with page 26. That's amazing. (laughs) But right now for my third grader and also for my eighth grader, really is respecting your body and respecting yourself. You know, the oldest knows about the birds and the bees and those sort of things. And no indication quite yet that he has stepped outside that bubble. You know, he still likes Pokemon cards, things like that. But I'm, you know, they will be coming to the office. We will be looking at pictures. We will be talking about this because it's not just about the pregnancy piece. That's what I heard when I was a kid, right? Just don't get pregnant. But it really wasn't about here are some things that could really affect your health. So right now, what I, the message to my kids is just is respect. Respect your body. Respect others. And we use proper names for things. You know, it's penis. It's vagina. Um, at our house, we don't hold back on those subjects. Yeah, you never know when you come to the Shores house what we could be talking about. And people <laughs> love to corner me at parties or whatever and be like, tell me an STD story. Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever heard? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But it's funny because... People don't want to talk about it, but they want to talk about it. So, so true. yeah. So it's so funny when you get them talk. Like if I say a little bit, then all of a sudden they open up and tell you something. What do you think about this? Now, I've never had anyone say, look at this bump. What do you think? Thank God that hasn't happened. But <laughs> we're real, real talk around our house. That's so important. So you mentioned in a previous interview that adding a mental health component to the company services was a real important thing for you. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit more about that and why you do that and how you do it? Sure. So like I said earlier, being a social worker, I mean, that's what I, I thought I wanted to do when I had my master's degree, right? I wanted to do therapy and I liked it. But what I found myself in is like not-for-profit agencies And they were always looking for money. And I wanted to get into the management of things, right? Growing opportunities for people to get help. That's where I really found my niche. So with this company, it was about growing that opportunity to help people with STDs. But I would find myself when I would answer the phone. I don't really do that anymore. But when I'd answer the phone, almost get into a mini therapy session, right? Because people would present with all kinds of things. It could be, you know, the person that has been cheated on. One of a very, very common topic or common issue we hear, which has to do with infidelity, is men who, when they travel, they cheat on their wives, but they're not cheating with other women. They're cheating with other men. And it's very, very common. And the reason why they do it is because it's safe. Think about it. So when they travel to you know, a new city, no one knows them. So they can be whoever they want and be in sex positive parts of the city, those sort of things. And then they come back home to their life and they want to get tested. And there's a lot of feelings and emotions about that, right? There's guilt, there's anguish, there's all these things. So I found myself really kind of doing many therapy sessions, which you can't do when you, well, you had a few staff and calls were coming in. 
So we partnered with kind of an online telehealth service, BetterHelp. And what I like about them is a couple of things. One, they meet people where they're at. You know, if you say to someone, you need therapy, right? Um, they think, oh, gosh, especially if they're in the city, they are going to have to find one. I'm going to have to drive. And then I have to park. And then there's an out, you know, then there for an hour. It doesn't work with my schedule, right? There's no time for my own mental health. So I'm just going to try to fix it myself, which becomes an issue of its own. But what BetterHelp does is that they meet people where they're at. So you can go online and find a therapist. And these are all licensed professionals counselors, LCSWs, licensed clinical social workers, and they can do chats. They can do Zoom. They can do email, whatever the person needs as their check-in session, which is really powerful because it doesn't become one more thing I have to do. It becomes a part of my schedule of what I need to do for myself. And it becomes a great option for us because as we're telling people about their results, or maybe the situation that they're in and they start to pour out their heart to us, you know, we are not the appropriate place for that to happen because it's not an ongoing relationship. So we can now give them a resource to say, we really want you to consider seeing a mental health professional because you've told us X, Y, and Z, and we truly care about you. And if this cycle is going to change, you might need to talk with someone else. And it's been really beneficial to our patients. And they really appreciate that we just don't see them as a number. We really see them as a person in their individual story. And we're not going to let go of them until the very end where we can go, okay, you're in good hands. I love this so much. And I love that you are partnering with BetterHelp of all places because they're a sponsor of the podcast. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It's really great timing and such a great brand to collaborate with. So I want to make sure that no matter what people are going through while they're listening to this episode, you can visit betterhelp.com backslash made visible and enter the promo code made visible to get 10% off your first month. So definitely plugging them because I know you're a big fan and obviously so am I. What advice do you have for people who are potentially nervous to disclose that they have an STD to their partners? So I just did a video on this because, you know, in 2019, there's an article that came out that said the majority of marketing, right, your messaging needs to be in video. The 80% of all messaging will be in video and that's what people take in. And if I watch my husband at night on his cell phone, right, that's what he's doing is watching videos, people unpacking baseball cards and crazy stuff. But we started to do videos for that very reason that you can get people to stop and listen if there's an audio recording, like a podcast or, you know, a video. So we just did a video on what do you do or how do you tell someone about your status? The first thing I said in that video is that, you know, make sure that you have a proper diagnosis, that, you know, you have gone to your doctor or some other resource that specializes in STDs and they've ran the test and they've told you what this really means. So make sure that you have that piece. And then the second piece I said is, you know, relationships are tough regardless. They really need to be with someone just like any of us who accepts us for whatever we are. You know, how do we look? How do we sound? Are we a bad dancer? You know, if it was up to my husband, he'd be like, (laughs) yeah, you're out. But what are those things that people truly accept us for who we are? And that is a part of who they are. And it's a part of their story. HPV for me, I would say to my new partner, guess what? I have this HPV thing and I know this is a new relationship and I know this idea of cancer and that you could get it 
but there's no FDA approved tests for males. Do you really want to hang on to me? I mean, that was a weird conversation for me to have in a new relationship. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, because it wasn't like, you know, you do this, this happens. But what I found in that is just this mutual respect that he was with me. He didn't judge me by that. He understood my story. Like all of us will have a story as we, you know, go to have those conversations. And quite honestly, if they reject you, you don't need them. <laughs> Life is too short to be with judgmental assholes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely the quote that we are going to be pulling for the show notes. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So there's tons of amazing content on the website, as you acknowledge, and you're doing more video, which is great. Is there a plan to expand outside of St. Louis? We're in every state. So, I mean, the office that we operate at is out of St. Louis, but anyone throughout wow. the U.S. can call us. So there's call that number that you see on the website. We do have a clinic page, which is really just our Quest Diagnostic location. We're not Quest, but we'll send you to Quest. So a lot of times people will go, you know, at the top of that website, you'll see where you can put in your zip code, put your zip code on, in, not on, in, and it will take you to that clinic page. And um, so you can kind of see where you're going and just need that doctor's order. So you just call us wherever you are in the U.S. and we can help you. I love that so much. Well, Thank you so much for deciding to take this as your mission for your life to help other people because it is such an important topic that's so relevant to everybody. Yes. And there's such a stigma that I love that you're trying to remove. Where can people learn more about you and obviously this business? So go to samedaystdtesting.com. And if you're looking for testing, information, as you said, the content on there, um, there's different questions that we've had some blog articles about, you know, if you have any questions about testing or how to get tested, go there. Me as I like to say, you know, I'm Shannon Shores. I'm a kind hearted badass. <laughs> if, you're looking, so if you're looking for more information about Shannon Shores, the kind hearted badass, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there. I'm always happy to connect with other business people or people in the sex industry because I think that collaboration is key, right? Sex isn't going to go away. And I would love to, if people are in liked businesses and they think, oh, that's a great partnership, just like we did with BetterHelp. I'm open to that. So just find me on LinkedIn, send me a message, and we can start that conversation there. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Harper. Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do any of this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com and follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor, Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer, Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music, and Amanda Grisillo for the design.